Well, Rabbi Mayer, you did, is with us live via telephone. Uh, as I just mentioned to him off the air, I don't remember the last time that we have had such a reaction uh, to a guest coming on the air. I'm hearing from people all over the world, frankly, uh, who are thrilled to hear me speak with him, and I appreciate that very, very much. Uh, Rabbi Mayer, you did, is the author of the brand new book from Art Scroll entitled The Power of Tranquility, Illuminating the Torah Path to Peace of Mind. As Rosh Yeshiva of YDE, I believe that's Yeshiva Darche Eretz, a head rabbi of Brooklyn's large and thriving congregation, Shari Zion, and a world-renowned speaker, Rabbi Mayer, you did, has assisted, educated, guided, and inspired thousands of people of all ages. In The Power of Tranquility, he shows us how to achieve the greatest blessing of all, shalom, peace of mind and spirit. Rabbi Mayer, you did a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good morning. A pleasure. Uh, why'd you write the book? So the truth, that's a good question. I didn't, uh, wasn't planning on it, but uh, I'm privileged to be part of the Syrian community here in Brooklyn. And uh, Baruch Hashem, I speak probably in front of thousands of people on a daily, on a weekly basis. And uh, I have a lot of shirim over the years. So uh, about a year ago, I met Rav Gedalia from Artscroll, um, and uh, there was an idea to put some of that into, uh, into print. That's how it started. Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of material, but I, end, I wanted to start specifically with this one, the power of tranquility, because, you know, without tranquility, you can't accomplish much in life. So I felt this is the foundation to start working on to be able to build much more in the future. Well, it's that a fa- was the choice. It's a fascinating book. Kept me occupied over the last couple of nights in a very positive way. And um, and one might argue uh, that your story might even be more fascinating than the book itself. Just for the benefit of our audience, and believe me, I'm very curious, as I am with anybody who's had an interesting background. You you were living in Syria until the age of eight. Would that be accurate? The age of nine, yes. I was born in Syria. And uh, Aleppo, Syria. And with no knowledge of the English language, I assume, correct? Not at all. I came to this country at the age of nine. They put me in school. Where? I don't know what they were thinking. Where? In Mag and David Yeshiva here in Brooklyn. Wow. And uh, I didn't know a word of English at that time. No, not even the, 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 the ABCs. You were already comfortable with English by the end of elementary school? Like, did it, did it take a long time or, or a relatively short uh, time? You know, I guess at a young age you learn quick, so right. it probably took a couple of years to get comfortable. But, uh, you know, we, we got to it. And, and the and the and I don't even know if this is an appropriate term, but I'll use it just for identification purposes. The the Syrian community in Brooklyn was already well established by the time you got here. It, it was, you know, they started, I believe, in the early 1900s to to immigrate here. They were at the east side. They moved to Brooklyn. Right. I wouldn't say it was fully, but it was definitely getting there. It was by the by the 80s when I got there, 1982. I think there was already a good foundation to the community. And what synagogue did you grow up in in Brooklyn? In Shari Zion. Actually. Oh, in, in Shari Zion itself. Well, and now you're yes. the and now you're the rabbi yes. of Shari Zion. That must be an interesting twist for you. Yeah, it's great, you know, to to be home with people that you know, that you love, that you grew up with. It's something very special. And um, and and how would you describe? And especially as a leader in the community, I'm sure you're very familiar with other communities, other Jewish communities in New York, Ashkenazim, etc., Hasidic, etc. How would you describe the the community that you lead? 
what are its greatest assets? And I don't mean financial. I'm talking about values. What are its greatest assets? What are some of the things you're most proud of when it comes to the community that you lead in Brooklyn? So I think every every community, I've, I've been privileged to see so many communities around the world, and each community is really very special, and uh, but in a different way, as, as I'm sure you know. Sure. Our, our community, the Syrian community, I think one of the biggest, um, we'll call it qualities that we have, I think there's a, they have a tremendous heart, and they've always been supportive of, you know, of, of, of helping others, charity, even when the community wasn't as observant in the early 1900s because they were immigrating, they were running from place to place like the other communities, but there was always a heart to give, to help others. There was always a respect for, for Torah. There was a respect for, for rabbis. There was a simple emunah that exists, existed and still exists in our community, which is very, very beautiful. It sounds like they have a large collective Jewish heart. That's how I would put it. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so, and they're very proud of it. Uh, Rabbi Mayer, you did as with us. The book is called The Power of Tranquility, Illuminating the Torah Path to Peace of Mind. I- is tranquility the same as happiness, Rabbi, you did? Is a, is a happy person a tranquil person, or you might argue they're not necessarily equal? That's an interesting question. Is happiness the same as tranquility? Well, for sure, a person cannot achieve happiness without tranquility. Mm. That, that, that's not a question. Good point. You know, happiness is an expression of the human soul. It's not an expression of the human body. Right. And uh, unfortunately in life, uh, many people don't know that, and they struggle because of it. They find, they're trying to find happiness. Like it says, you know, in the, in the uh, Declaration of Independence, the pursuit of happiness. You know, everyone, everyone wakes up to pursue happiness. That, that doesn't make anybody unique. We're all that way. But the question is where we're looking for it. Where is this place called happiness? You know, and we try to find it with money or to buy something or something in the physical world where, where a person could have fun, there could be moments of joy, but happiness is an expression of the human soul. So unless a person is giving the soul what it needs, there's no way to achieve happiness that is at least constant and is not uninterrupted. And you and you so, would argue, I mean uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I did read the book. You would argue that 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 happiness of the soul or that um um uh you know the feeling that you're looking for for the soul is is um is available through what? Through through peace as you, you know, as you uh, emphasize in the book, is it you know what is it that that provides that that soulful happiness? So Every one of us, you know, the, the word <clears throat> the peace of mind is from the word shalom, right. right? Shalom usually is something that brings two or three or four or more parts together, which complete each other. So how do we express shalom inside one, one human? He's only one person. How, how can one have peace with himself? He's only one. So... The answer is, as we all know, that we really have two parts inside of us. There's a struggle that's going on constantly that's between our desires, our body, and our soul Mm -hmm. that's looking for meaning, for accomplishment. And that battle rages within us. And when we make shalom with these two parts, and really the only way to make shalom between the body 
and the soul is to allow the soul to lead the body. The, the body cannot lead. The soul will never be happy and satisfied with the body leading. But as long as the soul is leading, which means that a person's mission and, and their outlook is to accomplish spiritually, whether it's through learning, whether it's through kindness, whether it's through values and growth in the character, if that's what's leading the person, then the body comes along for the ride. So in can, the beginning, it might be difficult, but the body will, will come along at so, some point. So can someone who has unlimited materialism, God bless them, they've, they've made a tremendous living, they're able to, thank God, can someone with unlimited materialism uh, gain the tranquility you speak of, the soulful tranquility you speak of? Absolutely, but definitely not with the financial uh, you know, blessings that they have. That's right. not what's going to help them. So if, accomplishing tranquility. So no matter what people have and what they're able to pursue, and no matter how many vacations they go on, etc., that is one piece that they have to keep in perspective. If they keep all that in perspective, then their soul can certainly grow to a place of peacefulness. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if God gives a person tools, the more tools he gives them, financial tools are one of them, he could actually accomplish more spiritually. Right. But unfortunately, as we see, very often when a person accomplishes in the physical world, that takes over his life, and they forget about the one that's really going to bring them the happiness. So it's a very big challenge, having that wealth. Rabbi Mayer, you did this with us. The book is called The Power of Tranquility, Illuminating the Torah Path to Peace of Mind. By the way, I, I want to mention, especially if, if listeners have to tune out to, to go to work, wherever they're heading, uh, I do want to mention that um, he does have, Rabbi, you did that is, uh, does have special messages and chapters regarding teenagers, uh, regarding a special a chapter regarding marriage. There's a lot of different things in here um, that will apply directly to people in certain circumstances. So keep that in mind. It's not just a general uh, philosophical work, so to speak. There's a lot of uh, practical things that one uh, can implement. By the way, uh, Rabbi, you did. I said to myself as I'm reading the book, I wonder where the Inyana Dioma is. I wonder, you know, if you address. Uh, what's going on today. And I turn uh, your attention to page 110, where you have a section called Awe of Authority. And I think as we see our major cities running amok, and as we see the government officials completely um, uh, uh, completely abandoning the police forces uh, right now in the United States of America, I, I think that's a good example of what you mean by a breakdown of authority, whether it be parents, whether it be rabbeim, whether it be rabbis of synagogues, no matter, and of course, whether it be the police forces. I think, I think the awe of authority is more important than people think it is. Oh, absolutely! First of all, I'm very happy that you actually read the book. I thought you were just saying that <laughs> in the beginning to make me feel good. No, I, I, actually, <laughs> when I when I speak to you off the air, you'll really see how I read the book. We go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Oh, oh, I mean, in the context, in the context of the book, the O of Authority was written to show that there is no way a person can learn from somebody else unless they have respect. Right. You know, that's the first thing I tell parents when they come for interviews in the school. You know, they that in in whatever school they choose, that's their choice. Right. But they have to know that whatever choice they make, that school in the eyes of their children have to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. They, that. That, that the rabbi of that, of that school, the Rosh Hashiva of that school, has to be in their eyes like perfect. 
But because we, but we have you, failed. You only could learn from people that you respect. But we have failed at that so terribly. I mean, the police is one example, but but we even in our own community have failed at that. How many people come home Shabbos morning, and 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 the first thing they do is criticize the rabbi to their families? That's an absolute spiritual suicide for a family. There's nothing worse for a family than to be discussing things that lower the respect of the rabbis or the authorities in their community because that automatically gives the children and the people, not, not, not only children, they give them a bad feeling which guides them to the other side, which is not good. Because we don't realize sometimes as parents that we're giving tools to our children of how to operate out there in society. Uh, you, you mentioned in the marriage chapter about relationships, how the teenage years should be you know, training a young man or young woman you know, how to view and how to keep relationships in perspective that will help them when they enter their 20s and start a real relationship with a spouse, etc. We don't realize sometimes as parents that all of this investment during the teenage years of our children is so vital. And this example that you gave in terms of, you know, how we speak. And I'm not saying that rabbis and teachers don't make mistakes. Of course they do. But there's a oh, way but, but there's a way to handle it. And there's a way to, to have your child keep perspective that, you know, that if someone of authority does make a mistake, here is the procedure of how we go about things. I, I'm going to tell you a great story. Now, yeah, from, sure. It happened here in our yeshiva a few years ago. Uh, one of the principals called me, and uh, she told me a story that happened to her that in her old school, that there was a uh, uh, there was a child. I think it was, it was in seventh grade, who was not behaving properly, and uh, the principal warned this child that if they continue this behavior, they're going to demote them down to first grade, and that's what happened. And the, that boy spent an entire day sitting in first grade, which was obviously extremely embarrassing for him. Right. And uh, when he got home, he told his mother, and his mother said, "Well, what did you do?" You know, what, she said, well, he told her what he did. She said, well, I guess that's what you deserve. And that was it. Wow. She, she did not. But then the great part of the story is that night, that same parent called the principal and blasted them. Right. 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 So, so that's what parents should always remember that. Right. That there's, the, there's what you tell the child, that authority is important. But if there's a problem, like you said, we're not perfect. Right. And sometimes we make very big mistakes. But address it with the person. Don't lower the person. You know, I, I think it's in your book, and I say it like that because I think I've seen other authors say it. The final words we say, and I know that you know different traditions are different, but essentially, the final words we say in tefillah are Oseh Shalom Bimromav, Huyaseh Shalom Aleinu Valko Yisrael, Amen. And we're not just talking about you know security for the land of Israel. We're talking about the the shalva, the peace, the shalom that you write about in the book, right? That that's the ultimate thing we want from God. We want to be able to exist in life with that inner peace that you described. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the reason why we end off our prayer, imagine we, we just, we, we stand in Damida and we ask for so many beautiful things that we need in life. We need wisdom. We need help. We need parnasa. We need, we need so many things. And, you know, when you look at the Amida, everyone knows that the beginning is praising God. And then the middle is asking for our needs. Right. And in the end, it's hoda'a. It's to thank Hashem. But very few people realize that there's a bracha in the end called sim shalom. Right. Sim shalom is not thanking Hashem. What is it doing in the end? Sim shalom is asking for something. That should be in the middle. Why is that in the end of the Amidah? And 
I think the simple answer is because the message is, no matter what you did in the last five or ten minutes in that Amidah, whether you praised God, whether you thanked Him, whether you asked Him, and He gave you everything you asked for, if you don't have shalom in your life, then nothing is of value unless you have that peace. You cannot retain the blessings, even if God send them to you, unless you have peace in your life. And I assu- That's why I'm sorry. it ends off with that bracha. And I assume you would argue if a p- section of someone's life is not peaceful with their spouse, child, and not just relationships, but in general, if they have an inner struggle, they should be working on that. In other words, the goal it's it's not throw up your hands and say, okay, this is my faith, and you know my spouse or child is going to be like this. The goal is to pursue peace, right? Rodef Shalom. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and I think that if we look at uh, at situations where there isn't Shalom with a spouse, with a family member, with a business partner, with a community member, usually it starts when the person themselves, within themselves, are at this war. When you're when you have a civil war, right, we could appreciate this today. If there's a civil war in a country, it's very difficult to fight a war with another country. Right. You better be at peace first at home before you go out and fight with others. When a person is not at peace with himself, so it's going to be very hard to get along with others. So re- really, when you have shalom within yourself, you have not only the ability to be happy, but you actually can have great relationships with the people around you. Rabbi Mayer, you did is with us, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com, and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. The book is called The Power of Tranquility. I'm proud that ArtScroll has given our listeners an opportunity uh, to get a discount, frankly, on this brand new book, Rabbi Mayer, you did. When you go to ArtScroll.com, ArtScroll.com, use promo code RADIO, use promo code RADIO for your 15% discount and free shipping on the power of tranquility. Rabbi Mayer, you did, is with us. Um, it, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the sections of the book I wanted to pursue with you is it, the reason I, I, I marked it is because we say it so often, and I think it's important for people to know what you've said about it. Uh, we talk about the Pasuk, David HaMelech says, May I in Yavo Ezri, right? He actually asks a question. Where is my help? Where is my assistance? Where is my Yeshua going to come from? And, and you point out, you know, why would he not just make a statement that, you know, my, my, my help will come from the one above? Why ask the question? Could you expound on that for us, please? Uh, I think it's such an important pasuk that's said so often. I think it would be helpful to people to know how you approach it. Beautiful. So the, the pasuk that we say is, From where will my help come from? Obviously, David Melech is expressing a person who is in a difficult, challenging situation, who doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And he's asking, Me'ain, from where will I get help? And he answers, Ezri Me'im Hashem. My help will come from Hashem. So I have to rely on that. Of course, I make my hishtadlut, I make my right. effort, right. I work hard, I try to solve the problem. But at the end of the day, my eggs are in his basket. So like you asked beautifully, why did he just say, my help comes from Hashem? Right. Why does he have to ask the question? So... I think one of the answers to this question, perhaps that's what's in the book. I don't remember exactly. Yes. You might be by now know better than me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, he's coming to say that that's the only help I have. Right. Meaning, if I, if I would tell you I have help from God, so he's one of my helpers, besides the doctor and besides the customer and besides that person. So Hashem also helps me. But David Amelech is telling us, no, 
Where will my help come from? There's only one address. That is the only source of our blessings, and it's the only source of the one who assists us. Again, we make our effort, we do the best that we can, and we thank all the people who are the middlemen, but ultimately it is the Borei Olam who's giving us the tools that we need in life. Amazing. Rabbi uh, Mayor, you did is with us, The Power of Tranquility. Tell me more about the school. It is called Darche Eretz. Am I correct about that? Yes, absolutely. Yes, it is. And how many right. how, how many students? Not that we count, but I'm just curious. Uh, yes. Baruch Hashem, we started about 10 years ago, a new yeshiva here in the community, and we started with a few hundred children. Today, we're about 1,600 children. 1,600? Yeah, it, it grew. It's growing tremendously. Are, are, did, have, did you find? Have, the, did, you find did you find the building big enough? <laughs> well, we have five buildings right now. Wow. So we're growing very fast. There's a lot of demand for what we have, and uh, Baruch Hashem, we've seen a lot of success. We're very happy, successful students graduating. How painful is it for a leader of students? To see the schools close, I mean, obviously, you know, health reasons obviously are more important than anything else, but to see the schools close for this period of time. You know, in life, we don't predict and we can't react with emotion to things that happen to us. We just have to react in doing what we need to do. So to sit and talk about, you know, the difficulties and, and how bad we feel about them is really a waste of energy. I think what we need to do in life is just read the map and figure out how to deal with it. So. If this is what's happening to us and we have no choice and we're doing the best that we can to live through it, so we have to take the map and just follow the plan. And, you know, we're working very hard. The faculty here, the teachers here, I'm sure in many other places as well, has been working hard to take advantage of the situation. And there have been opportunities. And, yes, there are things that probably we wouldn't have chosen on our own, but that's not our choice. Our choice is to respond. You know, I saw the word uh, once I saw a beautiful explanation that there's a word responsibility. And the word responsibility comes from the word ability to respond. That's what it means to be responsible. It means that we don't call the shots, but our ability is to respond to situations. And that's what makes us great and strong. And and it reminds me of what you wrote on page 226, not to uh, see yourself as a victim. It's not a matter of victimhood. It's a matter of adjusting to the situation and knowing that you can be happy and peaceful even in a crazy, unexpected circumstance. Absolutely. By the way, and, gave us, and yes, go ahead. And I, no, I hate to be so morbid, and I hate to bring up a topic as as dreaded as this, but but we know that some of our ancestors, I would say, in both the Ashkenazi and Sephardic community, when their when their lives were at stake. Many of them were able to persevere. Many of them were able to keep a positive attitude. Many of them were able to to make the best of the worst, worst, worst situations. Absolutely. And it's only with this kind of attitude. If you're going to try to figure out why things happen and why what, what could have been if they didn't happen and how bad you feel about them happening, you can't accomplish a lot. Rabbi Mayer, you did. The book is called The Power of Tranquility. What a delight to meet you in this forum. I hope we'll be able post-COVID uh, to have you live in studio and uh, and speak more because uh, the book was great. I, I enjoyed it tremendously, and the uh, and and your boy does your reputation precede you. I I got calls from all over the world that, that they heard that you were going to be on this show this morning. And Rabbi, you did. Maybe we can get together 
uh, in in uh, in the Sparta community of Brooklyn one day. What well, what would we share? Some lachma gin or some kibbe? What 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 are what are among? We'd, we'd have some we'd have some kugel with that too. And chill. <laughs> we, 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 we do it all. <laughs> so you're across the board. I see. I I guess all, all all I have to do is recommend your book to both Sfardim and Ashkenazim, <laughs> and you're willing to extend the menu to whatever is necessary. I can't, I, I can't. I cannot thank you enough for joining us. A continued success with the yeshiva at Shari Tzion, which is such a uh, for us, uh, even us, those outside of the Sephardic community. Uh, your synagogue is so historic. Uh, the number of celebrations and incredible events that I and many people from around the Jewish community have been in your synagogue. I mean, you know it. You know it from growing up. It, it's one of the hubs of Jewish activity in this city, to say the least. Absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of blessing in that synagogue. So the can, people who built it must have had a, a lot of. Good kavanot, because it's a, it's, a, it's a blessed building with so many good things happening there. No question about it. And by the way, if you look at the history of those who built that synagogue, that's exactly right. They did it with incredible purity and incredible drive to, to, to help the Jewish community as much as possible. Uh, and good luck with the book. We will continue to recommend it to our listeners. Thank you. And I thank you very, thank you, very much. Malcolm, it's a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate your time. I thank you for that. Rabbi Mayer, you did. The book is called The Power of Tranquility, Illuminating the Torah Path. To peace of mind, and he does have, we didn't even get into it, I, mean, I mentioned David Amelach, but he does have plenty of incredible references from the Avot, from Moshe Rabbeinu and others, um, an incredible piece on Nadav Aviyu that I had never considered before I read uh, Rabbi Meir Yedid's uh, explanation, um, that really does bring you uh, d- direct messages from the Torah personalities uh, to the way we need to think today. And I thank him, and I remind everybody out there, Art Scroll is doing us again because of our amazing relationship with Art Scroll. Again, a tremendous favor for our listeners. Another 15% discount for both The Power of Tranquility and Rabbi Seltzer's book that we spoke about earlier in the week, Our Man in Jerusalem. Just use promo code RADIO. Use promo code RADIO at artscroll.com. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. (laughs) 